Wow. Wow. Let's loudly all say that together. Wow. Those are some very strong words that we just heard from this passage, Matthew 5. Very strong words. And it's part of one of Jesus' most famous sermons of all time, his famous message, the Sermon on the Mount. And for centuries, Christians have wrestled, Christians have struggled with this part in particular, this section in Matthew 5, because of its high standards and its challenging instructions. And people have wondered, how does this relate to our imperfect relationships as imperfect people? Matthew 5, the section that we have, is usually divided into four topics. Concerning anger, concerning adultery, concerning divorce, and concerning oaths or promises. And so if you'll turn in your bulletin to page 5, you'll be able to look right at this passage in Matthew 5. You'll turn to the page 5 in the bulletin. And together, we'll start with concerning anger, Matthew 5.21, and we'll read the part that's underlined out loud. You have heard that it was said, you shall not murder, but I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. Words, words can bruise a person. Words can kill a relationship. And so with God's help, you and I should be very careful about what we say to other people, but also how we say it. Turn to somebody and say, how we say it. How we say it. And so if you want friendships to thrive, if you want your family relations to prosper, if you want a romance to flourish, attend to your words, to what you say to them. But check this out, it's not only what you say to them, but it's the words that you say about them to other people and to yourself. Many a relationship has been murdered, injured, by the words we say about someone to other people or ourselves long before we ever say those words to the person in question. Anyone know what I'm talking about here? See some expressions? Pretty painful stuff. But in case you didn't catch that, I'm going to rewind. If you want to help me to rewind, go for it. Many a relationship of whatever kind has been murdered, injured, by the words that we say about someone to others or ourselves long before we say those words to the person in question. Next topic, concerning adultery. We'll say Matthew 5.27, the underlying part uh, out loud together. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Well, 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 here we have this very judgmental verse, judging people, it's a prudish verse, right? Judging people for feeling attracted to somebody. That's what's happening, right? Wrong. Wrong. Sexual attraction. 
The beauty of the human body, male and female, is part of the gift of being human. And actually, to be attracted to another person, even sexually, can simply be a part of God's delight. A good thing. How often have you heard that in church? A good thing. What Jesus is talking about here when he says the word lust, he's talking about objectification. Now in our culture, we confuse the idea of lust. We have lots of ideas about lust and ideas that are put upon us. But the idea here in scripture is the idea of objectification. Reducing a person to an object. You are no longer looking at a person who has a name or a story, who has a life. You simply reduce them to being subhuman. There's no point to them. The only purpose that exists for you in that moment is for you to get something out of them. Lust. Biblical definition. Now, this kind of objectification of people uh, sexually happens all around us all the time, right? All the time. But question for you. Question. Is it possible to objectify people in ways that aren't sexual? Yes. And we, you and I probably do it pretty regularly. Uh, say, for example, using someone to feel good about yourself. Or using someone to advance your career. Or using someone to get into the right social circle at school. Whatever. Etc. So if you want your friendships to thrive, if you want your family relations to prosper, if you want a romance to flourish, don't objectify. Now, if you've built a habit of objectifying some people in general, or someone in particular, with God's help, break that habit. It's hard because our whole culture in many ways encourages us to do this in many ways. But find a way to break that habit. Concerning divorce, next verse that we'll look at. Matthew 5.31, we'll say that part aloud together. It was said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife causes her to commit adultery. Whew, okay. Now, there's a lot going on here. One of the things that Jesus is doing is he is giving dignity to first century women who could be divorced for no other reason than, say, burnt bread. And so he is looking out here, he's saying marriage is serious, he is protecting security, emotional security, financial security. He's telling men and women, hey, marriage is very serious. Now, to get into all the things that are here in this scripture, to talk about the whole range of Christian teaching on marriage and divorce, uh, which is a very emotional and complicated subject. Uh, we don't have enough time to do that this morning. So, a brief word. Brief word. The Episcopal Church, while recognizing the intended, lifelong, exclusive nature of the marriage vows, recognizes that in a difficult world, divorce happens. And the people who are going through a divorce or have had a divorce should not be shunned by the faith community but should be cared for, like any other person going through a crisis or pain. And furthermore, someone who's gone through the divorce, after an appropriate time of reflection and inner work and learning, may, the Episcopal Church says, remarry, if they choose. All right, let's all take a deep breath. Uh, just relax, and this is heavy, heavy stuff. So to lighten the mood a little bit, we'll have a joke. 
So two young women are visiting at Starbucks. Bobby has, has given them their uh, coffee for the day. He's embarrassed. My apologies. So anyways, they're at Starbucks and these two young women are chatting to each other. And one of them says, I am sick of my relatives always asking me when I'm going to get married. And the second young woman says, oh, I figured this out. You see, every time I was at a family wedding, one of my old aunts would come up to me, push me in the ribs and go, you're next, you're next. They stopped doing that when I started doing that to them at funerals. <laughs> Little tip and trick for you there. <laughs> so moving on to the next topic, the last topic here in Matthew five, concerning oaths. Matthew five thirty three. We'll read that last verse that's underlined together, just the underlined parts. Again, you have heard that it was said, "You shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord." There is a professor of New Testament named Carlo Works, and the professor says this about these verses. Jesus wants his disciples to be people of integrity, people who are faithful to their promises, people who have no need to swear that they are telling the truth, because they are truth-tellers. So if you want your friendships to thrive, your family relations to prosper, a romance to flourish. Keep your word, be a person who keeps your promises. Easier said than done, right? Alright, true or false statement, you tell me the statement is true or whether it's false. The gospel of Jesus Christ it can be very challenging. True. This passage of Matthew 5 brings a huge word of challenge to all of us in this room. But it also can bring a word of consolation, a word of grace, a word of forgiveness. A word of, it's okay. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, uh, I fail. I have failed in some major ways in terms of relationships of all kinds in my life with other people, letting them down. You probably have too on occasion. And then there are other times simply when life fails us. Right? It's just, life fails us. And sometimes... To quote that famous theologian, Beyonce. How many of you are familiar with Beyonce's theology? Okay. A relationship is not perfect, but it's worth it. But sometimes, and this can be any sort of relationship, a marriage, uh, a friendship, a parent-child dynamic, uh, sometimes it's far from perfect. And sometimes... It doesn't feel particularly worth it. And that's when you and I need the help of God and God's people to persist, to endure, to get through it, to hold our ground, to hold on, or be held. And sometimes, to make the tough call. There's that uh, saying, which I bet most of us have heard several times, uh, what is it, uh, it takes something to raise a child, what is it? It takes a village to raise a child. So much in our world today wants to disconnect people. Any sort of relationship, friendship, marriage, romance, you name it. Uh, there's so many forces trying to pull us together. Uh, pull us apart. Just making sure you're paying attention there. 
Trying to pull us apart. And so, as Christians, one of the things that we're supposed to be doing for one another as spiritual family is looking out for each other's relationships, friendships, marriages, family dynamics. Not like I'm in your business in an inappropriate way, no. But like I'm concerned or I'm praying. Or, you know what, we went through a similar thing with one of our kids. You know, can we listen? Maybe we can be helpful. Or, you know, I went through this, this painful breakup too. Or, you don't say anything except, hey, I'm here for you. I'm here, I'm praying for you. So, we should be doing that. We should be living that out appropriately. Now, when it comes to healthy relationships, whether it's friends or family or romance, the foundations are really much the same. Use your words to build people up, not to tear them down. Treat people as individuals, not as objects for your gain. And... Do not let go of your promises easily. Do not let go of your promises easily. And when you absolutely must let go of a promise, do it with all the integrity and love you can. When you absolutely must let go of a promise, do it with all the integrity and love that you can. If you need to start relating to someone differently in your life, start today. If you need to say you're sorry to someone in your life, do it today. And whatever relational failures or pain that you've gone through or are going through, let them inform you, not define you. Let them inform you, not define you. Let's say that together. Inform you, not define you. There was a class, and the teacher had asked her students to come up with lists about what were the seven greatest modern wonders of the world. And so there was some voting, and there were different lists, and kids had different takes on it. But eventually they put together, this was the list they came up with. The Great Pyramids, the Taj Mahal, the Grand Canyon, the Panama Canal, the Empire State Building, St. Peter's Basilica... And the Great Wall of... Uh, how many of you have been to at least one of these? Anyone been to all of them? Okay, we'll, we'll do that after worship. So. The plane is waiting. But while gathering the votes, while gathering the votes, the teacher noticed that there was this one girl who was still working on her list, and she had sort of this interesting expression on her face that she was really thinking really hard. And the teacher said, uh, you having a hard time with your assignment? She's like, well, yeah, there's just so many to choose from. I, I don't know what to choose. The teacher said, well, why don't you just share the list with us, and maybe we can help you. Maybe we can help you. And so the girl was a little hesitant, but she cleared her throat. <clears throat> and she said this. I think the seven wonders of the world are to touch, to taste, to see, to hear, to feel, to laugh and to love. Relationships of all kinds can be very painful and messy, that's true. But they remain the greatest wonders of the world. Put the priority on them that they deserve. Just think about it. Just think about this. When the crisis strikes, or when the coffin is being carried out of the church, 
You and I instinctively, instantly, we know this is what's important. People, relationships, this is it. So with God's help, keep that in front of you. Keep those relationships of all kinds, the priority, the primary thing through the everyday blah of life, the everyday struggle of life, the everyday struggle of life. Keep those primary. Invest in those true treasures. And if you do that, you will find your life enriched over the weeks and months ahead. And you will say to yourself, I'm glad I did that. But there's even more. If you continue to do that, however many years you have left in your life, if you continue to invest in relationships, you will find yourself lying on your deathbed, looking back, unlike many people, looking back and saying, hey, I'm glad I did that. Amen.